welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and the guy that I'm talking to is Jake. Jake is the guy that does our podcast, and the podcast is essentially this show turned into a podcast. So if this doesn't work for you and you want to listen to it on iTunes or literally wherever you can get a podcast, you can get this. Um, what this is, is uh, my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds. Real rap meaning real talk, meaning like we don't go, this is about going um, more deep than it is wide. And so we are trying to focus on things in education, um, but all things that concern education, whether that's health or well-being or mental, your mental state or whatever, um, that's going to help you be the teacher that you always dreamed of being. And so the idea here is we show up every Sunday me and this cohort of amazing people that are on the side here, and we answer your questions. So some people just come in and just watch, and that's completely fine. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to leave anything in the comments. We don't even know you're here. You don't even have to hit the like button, none of that stuff. Um, but if you are here uh, and you do want to engage, it's a great place to meet people that are probably the same kind of crazy as you, the kind of people that would show up on a Sunday afternoon. When it, today, anyway, in, in Jersey, it is beautiful outside. And uh, we're sitting inside for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, and uh, talking about education during summer break. So, I mean, talk about the same kind of crazy as you are, but uh, I'm excited. I love doing this show. If this is not enough for you, I also have a book. I got a new addition to the background, too. I got a poster that I'm going to put. The wife doesn't want me to get rid of the uh, disobey poster, but I got a poster that is going to be um like this big of the book cover but i have a book teach your class off the real rap guide to teaching has nothing to do with rap but um that is available as well or i can speak to your school or whatever um and also real quick um because i have some cool stuff that's coming up that i want to tell you guys about uh, if your school or if your group or if your facebook group or if you and your friends um do a book study on this that can look like whatever you want it to look like there's no parameters one i have resources for free for your book study to use if you would like them. Two, um, let me know, because I'd love to join your book study. So like at the end of it, if you have like five, 10, 20, 100 people together um, and you all have been talking about the book, I'd love to do a Zoom call with you all for free and then uh, just answer your questions, see what you, you thought, like clear anything up. So that's available as well. Um, I have a couple announcements about some things that are coming up that I think people will be interested in, especially one that I think people will be particularly interested in. I'm looking at my wife because oh, she's involved yes. in this. Um, so, uh, but I'll wait until like midway so that like folks that join late can, can get in on this too. You ready? Yeah. Like my phones are here for some reason. There's only one question. Splendid. It's well, let's get it. Oh. <laughs> Erica Whitechurch is asking for the wife, how do you block out the homeschool time at home? Uh, it's really hard. It's really, it was not as difficult when he was in school, when CJ was in school, but now that he's home and distance learning and summer and who knows what next year looks like, if at some point he'll be back home or what it looks like, but it was really, it was, it's easier when it's just me and the kids at home and Homeschool is kind of just, we sit down and do the structured stuff. Like I try and do it um, late morning. My kids are slow to move in the morning. And so I let them have their normal routine that they do. And then we just um, start some work and do some reading and things of that nature. But then the rest of the day is just, it's us together interacting. And we learn through that method that works best for my kids. My kids aren't 
super duper structured and they don't work well in that. Um, so we kind of just learn all day, like whether before pre COVID, like going out to stores, um, and things like that. Learning just takes place. It's kind of like an unschooling, an unschooling, uh, method kind of works best for us. I'm new at it. So it's like, I'm a first year teacher and I know I'm in my own, like not within a school system, but um yeah it's this is not natural for me although like it is for cj it's not natural for me so it's it's actually really difficult and i struggle with with it come Um, back come back (laughs) okay all right so two things i really like that you said or one thing you didn't say but you you were alluding to it um i really like that you that like our day isn't like the kids wake up at six um, and then we start reading at eight. It's, it's going with what works for the kids. So you're playing to their strengths. Yeah. Um, and that is like, I'm more, I, I want to say I'm more disciplined, but I don't mean that in a superior way. Like I am like a. Well, teaching to come so natural to you, right? You've been doing it for how long? So you're bringing things in that method and, and mine does yeah. too for, for kids, for my kids, but like not in that teachery way. Yeah. Right. So that's, it's a struggle a bit more for me than it would be for you because it's super natural for you. No, but I mean, I think that you do a really good job of like, like playing to their strengths in terms of like knowing who they are, knowing that like waking up in the morning and like being like, okay, eat breakfast real quick. And then we're doing reading is not going to be what gets you the biggest return on your investment that you, you play to their strengths. And I think that, you know, what Alex Kajitani told us that if, if folks don't know who Alex Kajitani is, he's the rapid mathematician. He is, uh, which is a really funny name for him, but um, he was uh, the California teacher of the year one year. And he's just a really great dude. And when he said that his house does not operate on schedules, on schedules. they operate on rhythms. And I dude, loved that. That is because, so good. Well, because every day is different, especially when you're dealing with kids who are like, middle school age there's lots of hormones in there there's lots of emotions and we have other learning disabilities that or differences however you want to say it that you know I so my day fluctuates a lot it's depending on based upon their needs yeah. and like how that's yeah. awesome I love that that's that's so I'm not really structured <laughs> but that's what works best for us I just sit back here in the laundry room front of that computer basically all day mm-hmm. so and you handle it. Good work. So much pressure. No. Um, Jay Scholberg. I think I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not Jay. Um, can you speak to how a student teacher with ADHD creative brain can prepare to operate in what seems to be a highly structured system? Dude, this is a great question. This is a great question. What do you do when you are left of center of how things are supposed to go down? This is 100% how I operate, man. Um, And I don't know that, I don't think I knew that. Like I do, look, I I think we're so quick to label kids ADHD, but like I think that I really had some of that growing up. I was just happened to be like, you know, what, what folks would just refer to as a good boy. So I was able to rein it in as best as I could. Oh yeah, like we did here. It was sort of like Wayne and Garth looking at their contract for Wayne Joe and I. Mm, <laughs> I yes. that scene. Mm, like we did here. Oh yes, that's very nice. But in my mind, I'm thinking swimming pools. 
man, I wish I was playing hockey outside, man, I really love drums. And like, that's what was going through my mind. So um, as a teacher, like, I don't like, I, I, I really, really struggle with, um, with organization, with prioritizing things, with getting things done on a deadline, with anything that has to do with like, when we have to create like any kind of like portfolio thing or document and the pieces all go into certain squares, dude, I suck at it. This is why I have an assistant because one, well, my wife helps me organize my classroom in a way that like a third grader would organize his classroom, which is why everything in my room is labeled. And like the weird stuff thing had to have its own box. It says weird stuff because otherwise it ends up in a junk drawer and just it's a hot mess of disaster. Or I get rid of things. I took completely minimize. Or I have Edie, um, my, my help router and Edie is like, uh, like assist me in doing things. And she organizes my Google drive and she organizes my emails and color codes them like it's granimals so that I know which ones are the most important ones. And so, um, that is something that I need. So I would say this, I say there are certain things you're going to have to do, right? So maybe it's lesson plans, right? Maybe lesson plans are something that to put it on that piece of paper, to synthesize what you're thinking about is not your strength. But you figure out a way to, I always figured out a way to do it, which is why my lessons are basically so simple that if I had, we don't do lesson plans at our school, but like if I had to actually do a physical lesson plan, um, then I would make something that is so utterly simple and can just go like every day in my classroom largely looks the same on paper, right? But it's what are you doing to sprinkle the magic? So it's figuring out, minimizing the way that you would do a lesson plan, having the things on there that you have to have on there so that you're not spending a long time on that, right? So creatives, like those of us like that, I can't, I can't put down a paper all the time what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. Or it's a little bit weird, like some of the weird stuff that I do, I don't want to put on a freaking lesson plan. Um, and then... So what you're doing is like essentially minimizing that time of your day and you're really simplifying it so you don't spend a lot of time on it. Then that's done and then you get to do what is, I think, the fun stuff. That's, and, and the reason that I think it's so fun, besides the fact that it's just fun, is that it plays to my strengths. And when you can focus in on whatever your strength is and then go full tilt on that, bro, that's why we got into, I don't know if it's bro or gal but um dude that's why that's why like dude because it's like Universal. it's like the unisex version of anything um it is a way for us to um to take what makes us like that gets us excited about education and hone in on that so that's that's just how i sort of do it it's like i i find i've created a system a, a number of systems that like look, I suck at getting back to emails or I suck at like, I hate um, just, I, there's any number of things that I don't like doing. So I have to prioritize them. I have one to three things a day that I do. I have a very specific time that I check my email two times a day. And everyone knows that if that it's first thing in the morning and it's around, I don't know, two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, whenever I have a prep around them. But if you email me at three, you're not going to email back till the next day. And, and I try and make that people like very aware of that. It's this running joke in schools that Reynolds never checks his email. I even have like, you know, my enablers at school that will, um, and maybe not even enablers, but like folks that help me that are like, will text me and say, yo, check your email. Or yo, there's just an email that went out about this thing that's happening later. Or we have to be like, um, 
there might be some trouble in front of the school or there might be something going on down the block or this kid's having an issue, like uh, look into that. And we are sort of filling the gaps for one another. So I think that's part of it. Simplize what you need to do so that you can hone in on the other stuff. I think the other thing that you do is become part of a team, right? So there are any number of times that like I really lean on other folks and they lean on me so that, like I said, you are essentially puzzle pieces creating the fuller version of a single puzzle. You are not the be all end all. And the, the beauty in that is when you're on a team, man, you get to be part of the team. You don't, you're not like, you know, Michael Jordan. Yes. Greatest basketball player, arguably of all time, but on that team, he didn't do that without Dennis Rodman. He didn't do that without Scottie Pippen. You have to have these other players that are, filling in the gaps for, for one another. And that I think is how you really, no matter what your, your situation is, you are able to really rock it and be honest about who you are, right? It's not an excuse. It's not, it's, it's not um, you trying to like get out of doing something. It's a reason, yo, I struggle with this. You know what I mean? But like, this is the stuff I'm real good at. And this is stuff I struggle with and then help you know, try and find people that can help you dial in those systems. And that's what I do. I do what I do, even in my business, to, as much as I'm able I do the stuff that I'm good at, I hire the rest. And then that enables you to, to benefit. And that can look like a million things, like, right, not to go too long on this, but maybe that's, you suck at organizing stuff, but you might have a student that loves alphabetizing, right? Get them to alphabetize your papers, get them to grade your papers, get them to hand things back, get them to do like kids want to help. You're not good at organizing or cleaning up your room at the end of the day. Like that's just not, that's something you struggle with. I'm thinking of fines. Um, my man finds is like, he's, <laughs> he's a just, walking explosion. <laughs> he is, he is. But, but finds is so good at like connecting with students at being really creative like in the spur of the moment though not not a planned experimentation kind of a guy um but when he and i taught together there were ways in which that overlap filled in some of the the gaps when i taught with young best example ever she was super organized super analytical super planned out you guys really matched each other for like she filled in your weak areas and yeah not that that you filled in her weak areas because i think you both are super personal with students but yeah it's it's i think it's a puzzle piece i think it's matching like not nobody's perfect right we all have weak areas we yeah. all have strong areas and how do we manage them is, is you're the, the question. barbecue sauce on someone else's chicken but she's, <laughs> she's a Richard vegan Royster might like that she's one. a vegan so um that doesn't really work for her but it works in general all right Next answer uh, or question. Uh, Manel, I think I'm saying that right. Nah, Nasri, I really, I'm just going to keep apologizing. If you're new here, let's just say this real quick caveat so I don't have to keep apologizing all the time. If you're new here, I'm certain, I'm like pretty certain that I have uh, some form of dyslexia. And when there are too many vowels in someone's name, I just mess up. I just can't say it right. And I apologize. I'm not trying to diss your name here. But it is, a, it is a lifelong struggle that I've had in my life. Um, uh, what's the difference between learner's assessment and evaluation? Ooh, um, trying to think of what that means to me. I'd love to know what other people think about this. I feel like Royster would 100% have an answer for this. Because this is like a, 
like education terms. Um, you know, I, to me, so let, let me say this. I feel like an assessment is you are checking someone's knowledge, right? You want to see like, have you retained, have you been able to apply? Um, can you use the things you've learned? But an evaluation is sort of like um, you are checking in on the person or on like it is the, the precursor to an assessment. Um, that's all I have. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Sometimes, let me, let me say this. Um, and this is not a diss to your question at all. Uh, there are things or terms that are used by educators. It is the same as like uh, when you go to a certain church and they use a whole bunch of language that you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. What is the blood of the lamb? Why are lambs involved in this situation at all? Um, that uh, I have chosen not to not to engage with because I don't always, I just think that it, it sound, I don't like, I, it bothers me for some reason. Um, but yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. And that was my answer. I don't like that. I didn't have an answer for that. Sorry. Feel like it, I definitely don't have an answer like for that. I wasn't able to help that individual and I didn't have a good answer. Well, you've got lots of uh, seasoned pros in the yeah. comment section. So community, that's community, community. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to practice what I preach. Um, if you're in the, if you're in the comment section, right? So if you go to Manel's question, um, what is the difference between um, assessments and evaluation? with regards to to students um if you could speak to that in some way shape or form um it would really help me out because i don't have a good answer for that and i don't want to just skip over that question oh richard Royster said in my opinion assessment is is in the moment looking for very specific things evaluation is a meta it's a growth process that looks forward that's a great explanation if you guys don't follow richard Royster, so shout out to richard Royster. john lopez just formed uh informed us that uh Mr. Royster retired. I knew that, man. Oh, you did? Yeah, I wanted to like do something, but I wasn't sure what to do. Um, no, we could do real quick. What are you doing? We could uh put on party lights for Richard Royster. <laughs> Go Royster. This party, party is for you. So for those of you that don't know, Richard Royster is a guy that I met. Um he teaches in or he was an assistant principal in Kentucky. And uh, he has a great story. We met, we went to Miami together to a conference and um, hit it off. Um, and he's just a great dude. He has a YouTube channel um, that is the least. Well, is he still going to continue it? If I hope he time? should still continue his YouTube channel. He should. But it is, it's like, he doesn't try and, he's like, his YouTube channel exists to help help educate people's people in education and shout his students out that's it that's like richard royster's whole jam and he's not like doing brand deals he's not trying to be cute on there or anything like that he just it's just straight business and goodness um and that's what i love that's what really excites me about it's him. Authentic so, to him. yeah so you deserve some real party lights royster I, I hope that you're you know what a what a year to go out to be retired on but um i feel like Something. Look, I don't. I don't know you this well, but I would say that feels like a Royster way. That feels like a humble way to like. Nope, I came into this and no one really knew me. I'm gonna slide out and then I'm just gonna be. That's how Royster does it. I like that idea. Um, and I don't know if he feels like that at all, but 
me keep it. Yeah, it's a hard year. You can look at it both ways, I think, for sure. Yeah, like absolutely. Um, this is my question. question. No, I know because I was messing with stuff. I know. Therese, Therese, you have the most fantastic last name that I could never say in my life um, unless I heard you say it. But man, that's look at that. It's just impressive. Oh, yeah. Get out of here. Oh, that's a lot of vowels. <laughs> it is. Um, hey, Reynolds, greetings from the Czech Republic. Love it. Um, that's where Kayla's from, her family. My co teacher is from oh, Czech Republic. Right. Yeah uh our schools have been closed since march now it's summer break and coming back in september uh and i just can't any tips on us struggling to find the will so all right this is a great question so um if let's say because this is the, this is the the world's problem right now in terms of education is like should we even go back to school that's a different question if someone wants to talk about that we can um but what do we do when you when your year rocked you and you're not you don't know how to go back to school again i think that there's a couple of quick ideas that you can that you can implement to help you do this i think one of those is um i often think Oftentimes, so like, let's say like, I want to get like, I've fallen off like the fitness wagon, I want to get back in shape, or I want to start eating a little bit better, or I want to, um, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I haven't been hanging with my kids as much. And like, I'm feeling bad about that. How do I get back into that world? I think there's a couple of things that I do. But one of them is to ask myself, what would this look like if it were easy? And that to me, is it reframes the problem. To say like, you know, and that's for anything, man. That could be like, you know, that could be huge problems in the world. It could be small problems in your life, big problems in your life. But what would this look like if it were easy? What it's allowing you to do is figure out a way to get on top of the problem, right? To go on offense and not to just be fighting off these demons that you're fighting, right? And that could be in the summer, feeling those like teacher blues, feeling like you can't go back, feeling like this is like you're not rested enough or, or, or there hasn't been enough time off or the last year was so difficult and you're not sure what this year has coming up. What would this look like if it were easy? So when that school sends out the plan of like, here's what our staggered schedule is going to look like. Here's what it's going to look like when everybody has a plastic tent around them and you can't interact or touch each other. Like, what would this look like if it was easy is one. Two is... um trying to figure out ways like trying to boil it down to like what do i actually want to achieve this year right so it's getting rid of all the spreadsheets we had so much extra stuff we had to do last year especially with regards to distance learning it was like spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets and handing things out and documenting things it's like but when you when you're just doing that it takes up so much of your plate and then it's like creating lessons is this tiny little thing and it's like that's but but that's what we wanted to do right like this was the part of the gig that like was the most exciting to us i think if you're going to focus on something focusing on that focusing on the thing that that could have the potential to get you excited so when i just sit back and kind of dream about school sometimes and i think what would this look like if it were easy and what would be like exciting to do in class? So whether that's virtual or otherwise, like how am I going to, going to implement some of those things? The third thing for me is remembering the students, right? There is some kid, right? You've, if those of you that have been teaching already, you know this, and maybe you just need a reminder. Those of you that haven't taught before, I'm going to tell you right now, your life 
right? I like to think of it, if I think of my, my student Romina who wrote the introduction to my book, right? Romina's was, her mom uh, and dad were born in Mexico. They immigrated to the United States. Romina was born in the United States. They lived in all these different places. But I truly feel like our whole lives, we if we were like this, and then we just kept getting closer and closer and closer. I moved somewhere. She moved somewhere. I didn't move to California. I went to Africa and came back. Romina kept like moving to this place. And then you get to the spot where you meet. You, no doubt, every single teacher on this, on this feed, you are moving towards a student this year that needs you. That needs, and maybe you're not the be all end all for that student, right? But you are going to help them find friends. You're gonna help them have their voice heard. You're gonna help them to connect with other teachers, to find help, to advocate for themselves, to find a, a good thing in themselves that they didn't even know existed. Um, that they're gonna go through something this year that you can help them out with. And this isn't a savior complex thing. Let me make that very clear. What this is, is staying kid focused. And that knowing that when you show up this year, you're showing up to do the good work you've been given this job to do. And in thinking about that, right, when you're focused on kids like that, not just their performance in school, their grades or test scores and all that crap, it's focusing on the student because that I think that stuff comes basically easy. If we can get the students to believe in themselves, to have a why, to think about their future, to dare to dream big and to be excited about life and to show up and accept them for who they are right now, then all that, like the testing and the grades, I think that stuff comes fairly easy to someone who believes, right? Someone who believes they can run a mile goes out and runs a friggin' mile, right? They, they can run a marathon because they know they can do it. Someone that doesn't think they can run down the block, good luck getting that person to, to do a mile. So it's you showing up for that reason, I think changes everything. And then you're kind of like, all right, because here's the bottom line. There are things in our lives that we do not have maybe the courage to do, the capacity to do, even the motivation to do. But if it's for a kid, you do it. I sometimes don't have the money, but I buy stuff for students if they need it, if they need pants for a job interview, if they need a meal, if they need a haircut, if they need a ride home. I really don't want to drive you know, 30 minutes out of my way to drop somebody off in North Philly, but I do it if they need it. Because when someone needs it, you get the energy because the kids are the whole reason we are there. Education's only ever about the students. And when we do that, that will energize you on a level that it's like, bro, it's never, it was never about me anyway. I'm showing up to give. I'm showing up to care about people. And so I think that that's a way to, to keep in mind and to get excited about what you're doing. Um, and that's, that's where I have to go every day is like thinking about, you know, and, and th those of us that are, have been blessed to teach for a while, like I get excited to see the kids that I'm missing, right? This year, who's coming back, like Snacks and Business Casual and um, Uncle Barry and all these other characters that I, that I work with. It is connecting with those dudes um, and being excited about even showing up for them this year. Mr. James Pete. There's three of them. Oh, so man. Down. I, We're just trying to get I know. this point across clearly. All right. But I'm, I thought he was going to ask me about that question. No, no. Um, <laughs> that's why I thought of it. I was, I've been waiting for his, his uh, profile picture to pop up. Uh, Mr. James Pete is asking, 
do you ever worry about your students taking how they will acquire knowledge or wait, hold on, let me start serving on this question. Do you ever worry about how, do you ever worry about your students taking how they acquire knowledge in your class beyond? I'm not sure if I worded that right. We create this desire for kids to learn, but do you worry that the students don't internalize it, um, but connect to the language that, you're, that your class is using specifically? This worry consumes me um, the longer that I teach. There was, an, uh, I thought you said there was three. Yes. Oh, how do you ensure students can create a passion to learn for their great, uh, for the greater good and not because that they are in your class or our class? Uh, not sure if I came off right, uh, but 600 characters got you, bro. So it does. Um, so I think the question here is simply put is how do we ensure that students are still going to learn when they leave our class, when we have found a way to dial into how that student learns um, and have found a way to teach that particular student. But what happens next year when the other teacher doesn't necessarily do that or doesn't focus on that or can't figure that out? I think this is a great question. One, I think that it has less to do with us and more to do with the kid. I think one of the things that we have to really ingrain in our students is that they matter. Right. I constantly am asking my students questions about themselves because I want them to know that they and their story actually matter, that they should pipe up. They need to say something and to 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 engage with someone that if they don't understand, they should ask a question that if they that they should learn how to self um, advocate. Right. We want kids going up to a teacher and saying, like, look, this is how I learn best. This is how I do things. And I found sex, sex success before. And if their teacher's not like a total creep, then they're going to play to those strengths. They're going to help that kid out as long as they're not, don't feel like they're sort of like enabling some like kind of weird behavior or something like that. But I think that that is the way that we help kids because what, what you're doing, James is I, I think we are helping kids figure out how they learn. Most kids don't do that. They don't know how they learn. They just know that I'm a little bit better at projects. They might know in some way, shape, or form. They might know that, um, no, dude, just give me the notes. Let me memorize them. I'll regurgitate it on the test, and we're good. Um, some kids are just not, they have a sense of that, but they don't know it's because they're a kinesthetic learner. They don't know that it's because that they have trouble hearing the teacher like or, or picking up on what they're saying because they have some sort of auditory issue um so it's about us helping kids know how they learn and then playing to that strength and then advocating for themselves i think that that's the best thing that we can do for those students you know one of my favorite questions for parents in the beginning of the year like whether that's back to school night whether that's meetings in the beginning of the year is asking parents like what has worked for your son or daughter in the past what has not worked for them, um, who was their favorite teacher and why, who was their least favorite teacher and why, and what can I, what can you tell me about your kid that I absolutely need to know that I'm not going to find out any other way? And so what you're doing there is building a partnership with parents and learning, and then we are taking that to be able to figure that out. Look, there's only one James Pete in the world, right? So like certain kids are just going to, you might have, you might be their favorite teacher that they ever had, but what we have to do is use that, that thing that like, if you end up being someone's favorite teacher, using that to help them get excited 
um, to empower them. But also, don't forget this, man, that that community of educators also includes students. Students now have an advocate. They have someone that they can go to and say, yo, Mr. Pete, like, I'm really struggling in this class, like, and I'm not sure why. And then you can help them to figure that out, to maybe talk to the teacher, sit down with them and the teacher to figure out a plan for them, to just motivate them, give them a little bit of inspiration, help them to figure out how they're going to do it. And that's what I love. Like, I love that because I have kids that call me from college that are like, yo, I don't even know how to do this paper. Yo, I don't even know what's going on with this class and I'm sucking at it. Um, because they still trust you because you've, you've become such an integral part of their life. Um, that, you know, at least like me, Cho and Yank at school would have kids come back and they would just meet up with all of us. Um, so they would come back and just check in because they want to be back in your space because you've been so helpful to them. So it's, it's letting kids know that that community goes and extends beyond the classroom, beyond your, your year that you have them, beyond even the walls of the school. Um, and this is a lifelong commitment that I'm offering students. So I think those, those few answers would, would really help you out. Uh, Brandon Medley, who this is his first time on here. Oh, awesome. Somebody's weed whacking outside. They yeah. literally picked, they were like, let's wait till it's 102 degrees to go weed whack. Know, right? Um, Brandon is asking school starts in Georgia in less than a month. Our infections are at the worst right now. Our school system won't wear ma our, our system won't wear masks. How do I manage my anxiety and not transfer it to my students? This is such a great question, dude, because I, I think this is like, it's the question. It's the question. And my, you know, what, we have talked about this a lot because I, I'm really, really, and I, I'll say this online because no, don't say it online. I'm saying online anyway. Um, I'm sitting here thinking often, uh, like Philadelphia school system doesn't know what they're going to do. Like the plan is to go back um, at the moment, but even our school has said, like, we're not really sure if that's going to happen. Um, with no one on the leadership team that I know anymore, it's like, do you trust the people that are in charge because they're in charge, right? Like, like, because the people that are making these decisions, let me just say this real quick, people that are making these decisions are not in education, right? Like the, the folks that are in these, that are making decisions based, that are putting, and I'm not, I don't want to try and like over dramatize this or something, but like could potentially be putting educators and their families and students and their families' lives in danger. Um, I don't know. Like we have, we, I'll, I'll break it down like this. We have insurance at our school that is really great for a while. But in the last year, our daughter fell on rocks and needed stitches in her toe at the hospital. And it cost me a fortune. Then she broke her arm the day after um, Christmas because she wanted a hoverboard. That was, you know, we didn't see that one coming. Um, and a couple of other things that have happened that like our, the way our health insurance works is like you, when you use up like the money that they kind of put in your account, cause they give you this little debit card thing, then it's all on you. Yo, if someone gets COVID in our family and we have to go to the hospital, like I'm going to be broke as a joke. Like that's, there's all the money that I've made a business or otherwise um, going to that. And then it's going to put me in debt for what? For, so I could do like, so I could essentially babysit in school because all the kids are separated. We can't do anything together. They're all staying in the same room. Like, all the good stuff about being in school together is gone. It would appear, right? I can't think of anything that it, of a good thing that would be to show up. So 
you know, I struggle with that as well. So I've really been thinking like, am I going to go back? Am I going to go back in the beginning of the school year, even if they tell everyone that they have to go back? If the situation is a hot disaster of a mess, I really, I really wonder about that. I don't have an answer now. It'll have to be me like when I get closer to it, but I'm not sure that I would just go back. Um, I think I would say no. Like, it's just not, like, I'm not going to do that to my family. It is not worth it to me. I've known too many people that have gotten COVID already and have been really sick and a few people have almost died from it. We actually have known people that have died from complications of it as well. Um, so I'm thinking about that. The way, if you choose to go back, the way that you don't transfer your anxiety is you have to work on your mental space. You have to work on prepping yourself. You have to work on, like, because look, anxiety is there, but it's, sometimes it's a decision. Sometimes it's not, right? I don't want to oversimplify this. Um, but sometimes it is giving that, when you have that energy, what are you doing with it? You need to give it an outlet, whether that is therapy or spiritual direction, whether that's running or doing, um, you know, just exercising in your house, whether that's dancing or playing drums or something that you're doing to give that that nervous energy somewhere to go. And when we do that, we can be calmer. And then I think it's about being vulnerable with your students, saying like, "Look, feeling some type of way about this year. All right, like this isn't uh, this isn't optimal." But I love you guys. I want to be here for you. Do anything that I can so you can get the education that you deserve and get the attention that you deserve because you are important. And so although feeling some type of way, feeling a little bit nervous, feeling a little bit racked with anxiety, I'm here for you because you matter, right? Dude, that's the message right there for anything, man. That's when you show up at school the year after everybody else quit and and you know that you're still supposed to be there, right? You're not like in some kind of like terrible relationship with the school, but like, you know, you're supposed to be there. It's not making you better than any, everyone else. It's just letting the kids know, nope, I'm still on mission for right now. Like this is what I've been given to do. And I've showed up because you matter. And I think that that is, that's how I would communicate that with kids. Um, yeah, another one there. Is that not it? No, that's the same question. Oh, I just sorry. I'm sorry. Want me to answer that one again? No. I have a cup. With uh, it's my daughter, and that's me with a unicorn head. This is my by my friend Dave DeFantorn. He's a fantastic photographer. <laughs> so weird. <clears throat> He's super weird, man. Well, so are you. I mean, you're the one who put the the mask on your head. Yeah. And did that. Couldn't do that now. Probably has coronavirus in it. Um, right. This guy is. Are the yard? This man is on a ladder, and he is weed whacking an eight foot bush. Oh, I see. Okay. That looks like a fail video from YouTube yeah, waiting to yeah. happen. <laughs> He's actually weed whacking a bush that's not even in his yard. All right, good work. Okay, anyway, <laughs> um, ADD time, everybody. Uh, it's Marissa's asking, hi, Reynolds. Hey, um, I've been moved into a different school building in my district and I'm a bit nervous about it. We'll be starting my third year teaching. Any advice on how to stay calm and collected? Marissa, I think that this is what summer exists for. I don't know about all of you, but I... Most summers, I will get to the beginning. So, like, we're just about mid-July, right? And sometimes I don't feel settled yet. Um, beginning of August comes, and I think, oh, my God, we have three weeks until school starts back again. And I am not feeling rested. I didn't get through half the stuff I thought I was going to get through this summer, whether it's fixing stuff around my house, spending time with my kids, making memories, um, going on trips, like, doing things, um, making the most of my time off. And I'm, like... And it starts messing with me. But I think 
what happens in the beginning of August is so funny because I, I just don't think about it enough is that I am, if I, then I start being intentional about my time, right? So I start planning days of the beach, times where we're going on rides, going out and playing mini golf, going to the movies, like going to, you know, uh, not a driving movie theater, but we got this really cool movie thing that happens in our, in our town where like we go outside and watch movies at night, whether it's going to the swim club or whatever we're doing, um, it becomes far more intentional because I know, crap, I only have three weeks left and I feel like I've made the most of my summer. So I need to do this, 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 and this. So I think what the beauty of this is, um, is start now. I think that the way you go back and you feel calm, you feel collected is because you've poured into yourself. How do you pour into yourself? You have to be intentional about it. So start making like a, essentially like a bucket list for your summer. What are some of the things that you want to do? What are the, some of the things that make you feel better? For me, I know that it is if I can play drums, if I can um, swim, if I can exercise and, and do it in a way that I like, if I can hang out with friends, especially friends that are funny and make me laugh, if I can garden, if I can work in my wood shop, like there's certain things that I do that make me feel good that fill me up um and it's like inflating your balloon again and so when your balloon is filled you just kind of like float along effortlessly um when you're a little bit low on helium then you're that balloon that just kind of like is you know when you set them free and then like one balloon shoots sky high and then the other one just kind of gets stuck in the electrical pole down the street at your son's transformers birthday and then it starts a fire and I don't want to talk about that anymore, but um, not saying that happened to me before, but uh, maybe it did. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that would happen. Um, so that that's what I think you should do. It's not about planning your lessons. It's not necessarily about thinking about what your classroom is going to look like, especially this year when even though a school might have a plan to go back, we don't really know what the plan is to go back. Um, so it's pouring into yourself, but it's being intentional about it, like not waiting and saying like next week I'll do it because it's just. All you're doing is planning fun, right? You're not even planning like business. It's like, you know, should I go to the beach? Awesome. Yeah, every day, bring your surfboard. Um, should I hang out with friends? Yep, every night, just like get a, we have, we've just bought the world's smallest fire pit is literally the size of like a, That's like a <laughs> Prius's, uh, yeah, it is basically, it's like slightly larger than a record. Um, so I have to like cut all the wood in these. It's like this little cute, looks like, it belongs in a fairy garden or something like that. Tiny yard, it is it's perfect for the tiny garden. And we have, can fit two other people out there and we get a big bucket of beer and like, just sit out there for hours, hours and hours and hours and just um, make s'mores. We like to talk if you can't tell. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, quick s'more tip, uh, putting, get, getting the giant marshmallows and putting stuff in them. Like if you put a Rolo in that thing and then roast your marshmallows, man, kids, I'm just saying I'm, this is father of the year. Uh, stuff right here but junior mints are good in there what did we find yesterday oh i said caramel creams would be the jam in yeah. there um all kinds of stuff little like you get the little bite-sized milky way bro game over like then you're just it's like this is how they do it in heaven <laughs> s'mores in heaven um sounds like a country song y'all this is s'mores oh in heaven come on stop can't get down s'mores in heaven I'm going to get Ron Proctor to write a song called S'mores in Heaven. Um, he will. Yeah, he will. Proctor, if you're watching this, that's your new job. Uh, as if, as if <laughs> I get to give you jobs. But um, Carrie Martinez is asking, any tips for teachers making the move from elementary to middle school? I'll still be um, self 
Fontaine. I think that was supposed to be self-contained maybe, uh, but I know that it's a completely different world. So it is, but my, my sense is this is the shift. The shift from elementary to middle is kids are in elementary, they largely do what their parents tell them to do. They play soccer, they play basketball, they do the things that like all the other kids are doing. Middle school is the beginning anyway for many kids of the shift into who you want to be, right? Which is why like we see like high school kids, like I, I never had a mohawk when I was in elementary school. I found out what everybody else was wearing and then it's what I wore. I, I looked at the music everybody else was listening to and largely that's what I listened to, right? I wasn't that much of an individual when I was younger and in, in, in any way that was public anyway. Um, but in middle school, that's when I started shifting, when my friends were listening to this and I was listening to this. When everyone was dressing like this or repping this team, I was doing this. When everyone was playing sports, I was playing music um, and not in the school band, like in, in rock bands and stuff. Um, because that's the time of your life when you're trying to figure out your individuality. And so sometimes that, you know, that gets paired with hormones, which is like someone that wants to be different, but they go so far the other way that they're like, everyone will know that I'm different. I will shave this side of my head. Um, I will have purple hair. I will wear eyeliner that comes down like this and I look like Alice Cooper, right? Why? Because you're trying to figure out who you want to become. And I think that's a really exciting place to meet students in. And it is often a place that many adults do not like meeting students in because it's freaking weird. Because kids come in and they start acting all crazy and talking weird and trying to curse near you sometimes or listening to crazy music and like um last year uh I, I just think of like kids that came in with like crazy haircuts and stuff like that and it's like dude what you have to do i think switch i think how you win with that is one you honor kids bro there's not a chance in the world i'd ever rock that hairstyle but i appreciate the fact that you went left to center i love that you like tried to do something that was different um and are giving it a shot because they're not going to have it for the rest of your life. Like, like, unless you're like, I don't know, flee from the red hot chili peppers, you're not going to have cheetah hair for the rest of your life, right? This is something that you do when you're 15. Um, because when you're older, you hopefully have a little bit more actual power. You can actually do something. You can make decisions, decide where you're going to live, who you're going to date, where you're going to be married to, where you're going to work. These are all decisions you can make. But when you're a kid, what decision-making process do you have? You can you can dye your hair. You can pierce your nose. Like, like what else do you got? You can get a, tat, a bad tattoo that says hashtag blessed on your arm because that's, you know, besides getting your mom's name or something religious, it's real hard to convince your mom to get a tattoo. That's what I've decided in school. <laughs> Most kids that are 14 and you have a tattoo usually says mom's name or blessed. That's it. Hashtag blessed. Um, I think that was a New Girl episode. Uh, but... Anyway, that's what I'm thinking about is like, that's, that's the big switch. Um, and then as far as curriculum and stuff, it's like, just ask your school and like, just be dialed in on what they're doing. Then get to know those students. And then like, I'm always saying, then teach through the lens of what they like. So if everyone's real into certain hip hop artists, certain TV show, certain uh, like movie, like get a feel for what that is. And I'm, you know, that's, and then teach you that. That's what I'm always doing. That's, I was watching those YouTubers with Brody this morning and I'm like, who's this guy? Who's the, who, who bested Pootie Pie? And I'm like taking notes on my phone. I'm like, all right, gotta check this dude out. So I can, <laughs> or um, what was the video he had made us watch this morning? That kid who is. But what was the channel? I forget. It was like, like no, 
don't quit or something like that. But they had like millions of subs and they uh-huh. focused on people that grind it out and hustling every yeah. day, whether it was Jude Perfect or that YouTuber kid. Um, but that's a good space for us to get to know like who's all right, who's popular right now, like who's trending right now, like yeah. what's going on, how can I use this to I'm teach you, you my really classroom. need to make a video of um, how do you find those things out if you don't have a middle school child or like yeah, you maybe. don't have kids? Like, how do you find all those? How do you how do you know what's hot? How do you know what's trending? How do you know what's cool or what kids are going to talk about? I think that's a great video to make because I think there's a lot of people who are in even in their 40s or 50s that d- don't know, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't know. I would have no idea how to get to know like students like to get to know them and build relationships is different than knowing what's what's hot in pop culture to be able to teach through and the reason that's a weird question is it's just asking kids well some people just need to be told that listening to why is what is off white why does the back of your jacket say that you know like um it you know so anyway i just think that's that's a good question people said make that video oh okay well then done everyone um jacob ingram is asking what's up jacob uh do you worry about being able to communicate well with students if schools require teachers to wear masks all the time bro i i don't know about the rest of the high school teachers on here at least high school teachers right because i feel like when you teach little ones their voices are a little bit louder and it's high-pitched enough um but even then what do you do with your introverted kids high schoolers mumble all the time no miss ross not good I go back and it's like what bro I don't even know are you saying I always say this I'm like are you saying words right are we is this a game I, is this mad lit like am I trying to read your lips um and then if you have someone with a thing over their their mouth it's like how are you saying how, how are you communicating this did I say this I don't know if I said this last week that um we just bought I'm 43 just purchased my first dishwasher. I may have told everyone before, but damn it, this is a big deal in my life. And so um, we just ordered our first dishwasher. We're at Home Depot. So already, is a dog behind me? No. Already, you normally you sit like this, sit close to the guy in the appliances department. You're already this far apart, right? Then you have your mask on, and then there's a giant piece of glass in between you. So all, all of a sudden, you're talking to everybody. It's like, the, it's like, you feel like you're at the worst Burger King with the worst drive-through speaker. So the idea of going to school and not knowing what the hell kids are saying, it's like, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, I guess kids are just going to have to speak up or, or you are, we're going to have to get, you know, there's maybe some creative solution to that. Um, but I don't know um, with the exception of if they have face shields or something, I, I don't, it's, there's not a good answer for that yet. Um, I think it's just one of those things that sucks about going back and wearing masks. And I'm not like an anti-mask dude either, but like, um, I, I think that it is problematic when you're talking about schools and you're talking about kids having masks on and you have a mask on. And what do we do with kids that don't, that have like, uh, some sort of like, well, hear, like processing, or, right? or, like or they wear a hearing aid or they are hard of hearing and then they are using your lips or just some faculty members I've worked with, especially folks that are older, um, that are always going like this. What? What'd you say? Um, I feel like they should have one of those funnel things. That's what always makes me think of is those funnels. It's like, how are like folks that are dealing with 
like that are hearing impaired going to hear when we go back to school like I, it's, it's just one of those things that um i think what we do is we let students know that all right listen i know this and the glass thing i'm teaching behind and you with the mask on dude this is this is difficult i understand 100 percent, right like can, can we just like just sometimes just acknowledging things with kids and saying I realize this is a problem um not exactly sure what to do about it uh but then that's when I usually do ridiculous stuff. So maybe I teach all year through my megaphone. There you go. Megaphones are going to go through Megaphones, the $8 of coals, buddy. Um, that's where I got the one back there that broke the second day, but I got to hold it together to use it. But anyway, um, and also has a bottle opener on it. Don't know who's drinking beer and using a megaphone at the same time. People at sporting events. Drinking equals you're a natural megaphone anyway. You're already louder. <laughs> now all of a sudden you got a megaphone. So yeah. Amy Russell, what's up buddy? Um, is Amy Russell sent us, I don't know if I said this. Remember back when we like asked people for pictures mm -hmm. and they all sent their pictures in and stuff like that. When I did the teacher appreciation video like years ago, she was one of the people. Aww, Her name okay. was always stuck out to me for that reason. Um, this is the first year that there was a change in my department. How do you handle bringing in a new teacher and cultivating a dynamic that is effective? Is it even more complicated or it's even more complicated because of the Rona? Um, it is going to be more complicated because of that. But I think that this is what it comes down to. Um, I think if I, if some, first of all, I love that you have someone new coming in because I think that that could be really fun and um, you're just never really sure how their dynamic is going to affect the group in a positive way. So um, it is, I think, one, one of the things I do when there's new teachers at my school, right? And so when I used to get mentees also at my school is to tell folks, one, I'm so glad that you're here. Same thing I do with students. I'm really glad that you're a part of our team. You're gonna love it. Um, so you're already, you're setting them up for the win. You're not overselling it. You're not being fake. You're not being, um, you're not overly emphasizing anything in, in a false way, but shouting out, like telling them the good things. I love this about our school. I love this about our team. I love this about this person or these teachers or this crew. That That's one thing, right? You're getting them excited because you're taking away the mystery of them trying to figure out like, do I like this place? Do I like these people? I think two is inviting them into the fold. So I realize coronavirus is an issue with this. What's the matter? I forgot to take notes. Son I was busy making coffee. Gun. Sorry, continue. Can I jump back in? Yeah, go ahead. And action. So um, <laughs> it's if you all do hang out, whether it's in someone's backyard or social distancing at a park or something like that, um, letting them be a part of that. It's, you know, because shared experience, um, whether that's hurt or pleasure, brings us together, right? So the people that I have to my house that know my kids that um, come in the backyard for beers that go out to restaurants with us or concerts with us or whatever, then you have something besides school that brings you together. And that just makes a better experience. It makes it more fun. Um, so I think that that's, that's basically what I'm thinking about. And then I'd say this, especially if they're new, there might be a way that the old teacher did stuff. There might be a way that your department does stuff or that your group of friends do something. But just because someone does something different, I think, and I think this takes some intentionality. I know it certainly does for me because I've had so many different co-teachers. It is letting that new person for me, that new co-teacher, kind of like, I don't want to say let the leash out because I don't want to assume that I have them on a leash, but like 
you're letting them go with something for a little bit. Because sometimes I think someone will try something and I know Fines would do this and he would try something new and I'd be like, oh, this is this is going to blow up on our faces. This is not going to go well. But like, I'm going to, all right, Fines, go ahead and try it. See if it works. And then it would work. Sometimes it didn't. And he would be like, all right, that didn't work. And I'm like, all right, I didn't think it would. But like, and then we'd talk about that, but he needed to try it to fail and, and to see if it wouldn't work. And then other times he would do stuff or Yank would do stuff or last year Kayla would do stuff that worked. And I was like, oh, damn, like, all right, game on. Like, so now you figured it out. So I think it's about giving them some room to grow, to fail, to succeed, to have their own experiences and not hold them too close to like, you know, at our school, this is the way we do stuff. And and I know that I'm speaking that from experience because I know what works for me in my classroom. But when I co-teach with someone, dude, I am often off the mark where I'm like, I thought that that wasn't going to work and then did. And it's like, damn, like, and then I want to steal their idea forever, um, which I have done. Uh, Caitlin Jay is asking, do you have any tips for building relationships with a new admin team and tips for approaching evaluations at a school, at a new school, um, in a new community? So that's a great question, Caitlin. I think this is actually very timely since our whole admin team will be new in the new year and I don't know any of them. And so it's like, what's that going to look like? Um, I think one of the ways that I, you know, in my look, I think I've, actually done this in every school and i've also done this with every boss largely that i've ever had unless the boss was like real jerky um i didn't do that and i don't mean like dried beef but like you know they were actually a jerk uh did you like that yeah yeah dad jokes <laughs> Yo, high five on that one um what i've learned is i never think of bosses as someone that's on top of me that's like that's like a better than me that is like uh someone that's looking like looking down they're not mr smith there's an homer simpson right um we're equals right so like uh i had a guy uh last few years this guy dorian that i worked with and um dorian was assistant principal he was um like on food chain right decision making powers and stuff like that was was over top of me but i was with him as a partner and i found you know that when he started at my school one of the things i would talk to him about is like um, we found that like, we did a lot of the same kind of like crazy, like nice. eating diet exercise stuff. So like keto or juice fast or whatever other terrible crap my wife is making me do. Um, so it's, uh, we found that we had that in common. We also found that, um, our kids were about the same age. We also found that like, there were certain things that filled us up. We liked a lot of the same music. And so it was jiving on the things that you can jive on because then again, those things build relationships out. And it's not just about school and every conversation is not just about uh, the students or something like that. Um, my former principal, uh, Mr. Or Dr. Tennant, Dr. Tennant was like all, also like one of the friendliest people that you ever met. But um, it was one of the things I loved that he did that I have taken a, a cue from is He'll walk down the hallway and you would just hear him. He would pop into every single person's room and go, hey, man, how's it going? Or he would remember something you brought up before, like, hey, did you do that triathlon? Yo, are you still in karate practice? How's that going? Yo, that movie came out this summer. Did you end up seeing it? Hey, the, you know, the Nets are doing really great this season. Like, uh, I don't know anything about the Nets, but like um, he would just remember things they said before and then bring them up and then just talk to them in some sort of normal way instead of it being like, 
Oh, okay, that's the principles coming. I've, I've won with every boss ever that I've ever had for that reason because I just make it about like, we're partners. We're working on something together. We're doing stuff together. We're trying to educate kids and make the world a better place. We're trying to make school the greatest place that it can possibly be um, and make our teachers feel cared for. This is what I tell myself anyway, make teachers feel cared for, create a curriculum and experience that's gonna empower, motivate and inspire students to want to be the best version of themselves that they can be. That's, I'm assuming this is what we're all in the game for. And then I act accordingly. And when you do that, it takes away all that kind of like weirdness, right? Same thing with parents of anyone, any person. Now, I didn't date a lot of people because I was with my wife since I was 18. But anyone that I ever dated or any friend that I ever had, um, they'd be like, watch out for her. Her dad is mean. Her, your dad was mean as hell when I came around. He yeah. would yell at me for walking on the grass. <laughs> like legit yell at me and my friends. And it was embarrassing. But that dude, before he passed, he would call me like once a week. He would just have, like call me up and be like, just wondering how you're doing. He became just your best friend. Yeah, like we used to laugh. That I'm like, I'm Steve's best friend now. Um, because we just found things to, the, the, the things that were we had in common and then um, sort of exploited those or, or focused on those and not all this other kind of nonsense and stuff like that. So, yeah. That so that's my jam. That's how I don't I'm. know if I skipped because it moved and I, oh. it doesn't normally do that. If we so, I'm gonna answer Fred Davis's question before. If you're following this and you were looking to see if your question came up, can you please just maybe if you missed it, if we missed it because the thing jumped, um, just put it in the bottom and say, like, hey, yeah, you missed my question. This is what it was, and we'll we'll get right to it. Interesting. Um, I find it. Uh, or you're gonna try and find it, yeah. Okay, we're uh, Fred Davis is asking, um, that reminds me of my old student named Fred. Fred Washington, he was a great dude. Um, thoughts on working closely with a student teacher remotely and in the classroom, safety and social distancing concerns, most importantly, giving her a solid student teaching experience. So Fred, I think one is that you got your work cut out for you for the student teaching experience for now, right? But what can you focus on, right? Like, like there's a lot of things you're gonna miss out on because they're student teaching during the social distancing time. Um, the greatest gift that the, that my mentor gave me when I student taught was I had this guy, Nick Sicari, I've talked about him a bunch of times, um, uh, at Winslow Township High School in New Jersey, like one of the greatest teachers I've ever seen in my life, like, like next, next level, right? I completely blessed to have worked with this dude. He, so I've told this before too, but just real quick, so you know, um, I did my practicum in his class, which means I went in like once a week. I just observed and I had to teach one, like one lesson at the end of the, the class. And then um, that, that was my whole experience with him. I then wrote him a letter thanking him. Um, that letter, he, he, that hit him so much in his heart that he actually called Rowan University, said, hey, I had this kid for my practicum. I think he's going up for student teaching next year. Um, I'd like to be his mentor. And he's only had one other mentor before that. Uh, and he's like, I don't do student teachers, but like, I really thought we connected and I wanted to be your, your mentor. Um, that was in May. Um, and then June comes around and he invited me to go out to dinner with him. And when we went out to dinner, he brought this enormous folder of everything. He was this organized. Um, and this was before, like, he, he was old school. So we didn't have USBs and stuff or, or like anything. A on computer. called the Bible. Yeah. Oh Yeah. I forgot about the Bible. Yeah. It was educational Bible. And it was everything. He made a copy of everything in there for me. 
made me my own and said, this is everything we're doing. It's all dated. Um, so you can start looking at it now. And then we started working through the summer as to like, like maybe once a week, like it wasn't a ton. So like you, you still have your summer, but once a week checking in, seeing how they're thinking, seeing how they're feeling, seeing what's going on, seeing what ideas they have, seeing what questions they have, um, and really being a resource to them or putting me on to resources. So like, give me books, give me things to read articles to check out. So maybe you're turning her on to like, and I don't want to just self promote here, but like maybe it's the live feed that they can show up and ask questions on. Maybe they're part of a Facebook group. Maybe there's a certain uh, podcast that you really like. Um, it's those sorts of things that you are creating resources for them before the school year even happens. Um, the other thing that I felt really was meaningful to me was he would hang out with me on the off times. And every single time I took any ounce of leadership, like I was helping with something after school on the weekends, I would come in and help the drama uh, crew, like um, build the sets for the plays. I helped with SATs. I helped with all this stuff. He would make notes constantly. Hey, I saw you interacting with that kid today. All right, here's something that you did really great. And then you made a joke at someone else's expense, trying to make the jokes on someone else's expense, because this is how it's going to bite you in the ass later. But I, I noticed that you have no fear when you go up and talk to kids. Um, make sure you look kids in the eye when you shake them and when you shake their hand. Just like little things like that, that I cannot, I can literally write a book on what I learned during student teaching from Mr. Z. There's so much stuff that I still learn. Um, and then uh, I think that that's, that's the, the meat of it is how I would really go about it. It is all about intentionality. And it's all about saying, dude, look, for this year, I know that's not going to work out the way that like it always has in the past, but you lucked out because you got me and we're going to make this thing the best thing that we possibly can do. Right. I just think of it as like, uh, you know, like in Goodfellas when they had to make, when they were making Italian food, when they were locked in prison, they're still locked in prison. Still wasn't optimal. But they made some pretty damn good Italian food in prison. And I don't know if that's a metaphor that really batches this, but I just wanted to talk about it anyway. Some weird way it works. Um, mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, Jeff, Jeffrey is asking, do you have any advice for teachers like me? Oh, snap. Why does it keep moving, dude? I don't know. It's what is really going on? Hold on, Jeffrey. I'll be there. You know, is this, did it show me all the way back to the beginning? I, I don't even know. Is it like, look at the timestamp 123, I think his question was at. Oh, so won't let me go back up to those. Oh, God. yeah. It's being, I've never had it do that before. What is going on? Phone. Come on, internet. It's 2020. Let me see. I think I can do it on this right. one. You can answer a random one if you find one. Okay. Until I find um, it is. I love that everyone's having conversations in here. That's always great. Yeah, see, it won't let me go back to his either. Oh, so Oh, uh, Jeffrey, can you put your question back in there, please? It just erased it. Is it on here? Check this doesn't timestamp those, John, so. Yeah, they're different. Mobile and desktop is different. I don't know. All right, don't hold know. on. I'm trying. Well, Jeffrey, I will not give up on you, man. It's not letting me go back to your question and jump ahead. If you could put it back in the bottom, that would be rad. And then All if right. not. Here's a different one. All right. You can't give up on Jeffrey, though, man. Okay. I can read that one, but I really want to get to his question. Would you like me to sit on that side? This is an awkward, quiet time in the podcast version of this where I'm scrolling through things. No, you can sit on that side. Just keep an eye out for it in case he puts it back up okay. there. Um, Minoic, I think I've said your name before, and I think I maybe I got it right before also, because that was definitely correct. Minoic is asking, 
Question, I have heard a lot about problems with funding and classroom sizes in the U.S. I'm curious as to how big your classes are and if you think that is too big. Classes in... All right. Does anyone know what NI means? Anyone? NI anyone? NI. Come on, voice your nose. Somebody, somebody get it. Uh, okay, so anyway, I have, mine fluctuates. So for my co-taught classes, which are generally students have like far more IEPs than the other kids. Um, and there's like maybe some students that have like behavioral issues or, or whatever. Those classes are 22-ish, I'd say. Um, other classes where it's like more of a general education class, um, meaning like it's like the the rest of the population of students um, that aren't honors or AP or something like that are about 30 kids. I've had 31 in my class. Um, to me, that's, it's, it, one, it depends on the class. Sometimes you have kids that can learn in that environment. Sometimes it's just a perfect, right chemistry. I've had classes with 30 kids in it. It's been the right chemistry and it is like, bam, awesome. Like, like friggin' unbelievable. Um, but because I've had classes that were really small sometimes and that dynamic was weird because it was like, there's not enough kids in the class. Um, so I think it, that it depends on that. I'd say overall, 30 kids is too many kids. It just, what it does is it crams your room and it limits you to be able to do any number of things. So like, let's say I want to do a project, right? And I'm going to bring in the materials for the project because we like where I teach, like I never asked my students because of, um, not because of everyone's socioeconomic situation or everyone's money issue um, at home, but because I don't know what everyone's money issue is. Like, I know that there's kids that like their parents are struggling. I don't know who those are all the time. I don't want to assume. So I just bring in stuff. But let's say we're like making characters out of Play-Doh. Um, that's a lot of Play-Doh to bring in for 30 kids for a class, right? Or one year uh, for a class, we made things with actual like modeling clay and then we fired them in the kiln and stuff like that. That was total freaking nightmare of disaster never do that because that brown clay gets everywhere it's under everyone's fingernails and it's ill it was the mess um play-doh is the jam so like um even that was like have it's, it's so much stuff to bring in if you want to make groups let's say you want to have reading groups like small reading groups and everyone's in a group and they all have different things they're working on try and have 30 kids in groups of three or four in a classroom all read at the same time is like dude what the hell it's like even if you have seven eight groups nine groups of all kids reading at the same time even if it's at a low murmur it just is it's too loud it's too much especially if you're in a classroom that has hard floors and not a lot of stuff on your walls because you're restricted to that kind of thing now the volume's bouncing all over the place or if i want to leave the classroom so one of my favorite parts in uh, dave burgess's teach like a pirate is he says like look around your school to see where you can best um like the the word like can the lesson come alive the most so is it outside is it downstairs is it in the basement is it like and so i'm often looking in places and last year we did a thing where we wrote uh ghost stories and to introduce the lesson i had the students everyone got a little tiny tea light candle that was battery operated from the dollar store we all walked down to the basement of the school like paraded all the way through the school and into the basement of the school which is this kind of dingy dungeony looking place um, went around a table that I set up down there ahead of time. Everyone put their candle on the table and I read this ghost story. Super fun. Um, but with two classes, I couldn't do it because there's too many kids. So I think that that's largely the limiting factor. The other problem is sometimes when classes are that large, 
you have the kid that's really loud and wants all the attention all the time and the kid that does really well all the time. But then there's and those kids, we have no problem addressing and talking to them. In my book, I talk about this as student one and student three, 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 all right, three. Um, but student two always falls through the cracks because they are looking attentive. They're quiet. They nod their head the right way, like I did in school, right? Where it was just like, yep, yeah, I'm thinking of swimming pools and hockey um, and not algebra right now. But it is when we have classes that are too large, those kids get lost in the cracks. And, and then that's why we have kids in ninth grade that read on a second grade reading level because we didn't have the time to get to them. And so I think that that becomes problematic as well. Did you find that question? Oh, no, but somebody wrote that they think that was Jeffrey's question. Um, oh, okay, awesome. Hey, thanks, Jay. Uh, Jeffrey's question, I think, was do you have any advice for people jumping into distance learning and where he should start? I think make it simple and trim the fat, right? So like my, my lessons every day on distance learning were, uh, I don't know, they would take kids maybe 10, 10 minutes if they just got on it and did it, um, maybe 15 at the longest if someone was really struggling uh, just because they didn't want to do it or because they like their ability wasn't there, might take them 25, 30 minutes. Um, I made a video every single day that I felt like was interesting to students. And sometimes those were elaborate and, and it was green screen and all this crazy, crazy stuff. Other days it was just like me on my phone real quick, like, yo, all right, here's what we're doing today. Ready? Um, super simple. So you're going to set it up, right? Super simple lesson today should take you about this long. This is exactly what I want you to do. So I want it to look like this when we're done. Um, and then try and be engaging in it too, right? Because you want people to pay attention and then tell them what they that what they're going to know, tell them how to do it, and then tell them what the uh, what the follow-up is, right? So like, it's like, all right, so in review, this is what we're doing. I need three things from you today. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. It's due by this time. Um, and then keeping that systematic so that it, because what largely what works in school is some sense of consistency, right? So like, even if madness is consistent in your class in a good way, it's consistent, right? So my students, it is not a, it's not, it doesn't blow their minds when I'm out in the hallway playing a ukulele or blowing bubbles. It doesn't blow their mind when I ask them to shake my hand at the door every single day. It doesn't blow their mind when I pull out the hand on a stick, bam, and start using that or putting eyeball stickers on them or sprinkling glitter on people's papers or writing notes on post-it notes and putting them next to them or um, like that stuff is so consistent that they expect it every day. The way that my class runs, you come in, you sit down, you get your stuff out of your crate and everything we're doing is on the board so that you know when you come in, it's not something new every day, it is consistent. So for distance learning, it was a brief video, a very like short and sweet lesson of like trimming all the fat um, and then usually a video to go along with that or, or an audio version of the reading for students that needed that. Um, and they knew where it went, the time that it was due was the same every single week. The number of assignments was exactly the same every single week. When I had my office hours and they could talk to me live on the phone or on Zoom call was the same every week. Um, I called home or communicated home the same time every week. Those things being super consistent is what's going to help kids find that rhythm in school, right? So they find that rhythm and we see this in schools that this works. Um, and when it doesn't, it's when you have a three-day weekend. And then everyone comes back on Tuesday and everyone forgot their locker combination. This happens after winter break when kids come back and everyone forgets like, wait, what schedule, what day is it? It's Tuesday. So that means what period is first, which means 
what's the special today? Or like, what time do I have lunch? The rhythm's off, right? They, 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 they weren't at it for a while. So the rhythm got messed up. It's keeping the rhythm going, right? And I think that you can do that and still make it magic all the time. I think that you can do that. You can have that same sort of recipe. Every night we're going to eat protein and vegetables, right? But the, so the, it's there and we're going to eat at five o'clock but you can still sprinkle magic and it's like, are we having chicken or fish or, you know, steak or broccolis or bro- broccolis or, or eggplant. It's like, you know, the, the meat and potatoes is like, it, it's still protein and fish every day or, or, or like protein That's and vegetables. Um, but it's, you're building that rhythm in so that students can flow in that. And that, I think that optimizes student success as being able to find those rhythms. John Grubel. Uh, I like how some people I choose, to say their last name. You know what it basically is? If I feel like I can say it, then yeah, I say it. It doesn't have too many vowels. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Oh, let me give you something. Let me tell you something real quick and I'm gonna read John's question. I'm actually gonna drink this first. Because I'm getting a bit... Verklempt. Verklempt. I'm not even sure if that's... I just heard Mike Myers say that in a movie back in the day. Um, this week, I'll post on Instagram later today and let you know when I'm doing it. I'm doing something on Facebook. It's a live feed um, that is going to be unlike any other live feed I've ever done. I'm doing it with uh, this guy, Hal Bowman, who is helps out with this thing called Help a Teacher. It's a live broadcast. And they asked if I'd have a special guest on there with me. So the not-so-secret wife will be joining me on camera, full face. Oh, my gosh. On camera. Is this already making you anxious? It's making my hands sweat. They asked if we would do it. And I was like, I don't, I don't think she's going to go for that. And then, because we've been asked before, and she's been like, oh no, I'll gosh. do it. This is for you. The internet is a mean place, and I don't want to be on camera with everybody. So, but Seriously, like, I, yeah, I have anxiety. I forget what day it is, and I don't want to mess up. I don't want to move John's question, so I don't want to check my calendar at the second. Um, but just know that it's coming up this week. I will post it on, I'll post it in the Facebook group, uh, Real Re- with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. Um which if you're not a part of, you should be. Uh, and then I'm also going to post it on Instagram so everyone knows because it's going to be it's going to be dope. Um, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm also a part of the, uh, what is it, Superhero Teacher Conference? Yeah. All right, which is my friend Sean is putting this on. He's uh, on Instagram as Teach, Hustle, Inspire. I just okay. moved all this stuff in the other room. Um, he has a conference coming up, and it's like, the people that I remember off the top of my head is it's him, Chris Emden, myself, I forget who else, but like Lenaisha from uh, Apron with an Educator. Yep, Apron with an Educator. Oh, educator with an Apron. Educator with an Apron. Apron. Oh no, it's what it's Apron and Educator. I forget. Awesome. I mess her name up all the time. She's fantastic, also. So uh, that's gonna be really great, and that's coming up uh, in the next week or two, also. And then the Teach Better Networking event is coming up, also. But I think uh, registration closed for that, and that's gonna be it's gonna be rad as well. Anyway, now back to our regularly scheduled program. John is asking this. Uh, wouldn't it be great if somebody could read the questions and they sound like Casey Kasem and then I answer them? What advice would you give an introverted person wanting to pursue teaching? I I did that half Casey. Um, I am passionate with English and language, but I am on the quiet side. How do you, how does one release their inner extrovert? John, I don't know that you have to release your inner extrovert. I think that you go in and you do what you do. And what you're going to do is you're going to find a kid that was you in high school, middle school, elementary school, whatever. Um, and that's going to be your person you connect with. Those are going to be the kids that you have a special heart for. Um, 
that if you make good enough lessons, you end up facilitating the class and it doesn't like, so my class is about the show, right? My class is about Reynolds doing all this stuff and then getting kids excited and then turning it over to them. But I think you can just as easily like run a class as an introverted person. Um, if you check out my friend on, uh, on Instagram, Randy Rebuy, has Rebuy spells last name? R-I-B-A-Y, mm -hmm. I think that's how it's spelled. Um, he's really great author. He wrote, uh, I talk about him all the time. Uh, Patron states of nothing after shot drops and infinite number of parallel universes. He is incredibly introverted, um, as is his wife. Uh, but they are really good educators. Like Randy had one of the most locked down English classes, um, thoughtful English classes. He just was, he just did a great job. Never raised his voice was always just talking like this. He was like, you know, the Asian Bob Ross. Um, and he was fantastic, man. And because uh, I because do, I don't think there's a one size fits all. Don't look at education and think that you have to be one of this homogenized group of like just certain kinds of people, right? There's like that sort of edutainment works for some people and some people it doesn't, right? But if you're honest, if you're sincere, if you're a level, if you have a level of vulnerability, if you are intentional, and if you put it, make it about the kids, you're going to win, man. And I think that that is just the bottom line. So if you want to do it, if you feel like that's the work you've been given to do, or that you're called to do, or that you're passionate about doing, then do it and know that you can make it work for you. Um, you don't have to fit into some mold of like what you think teachers are doing. Certain teachers get celebrated for standing on desks and playing guitars and being all crazy and throwing confetti all over the place. Um, there's just as effective teachers that don't do that. Cause that's not every kid's jam either. Like I think kids need a whole host of different types of folks teaching them, which is why even when I have um, guests come in, I have guests from all different backgrounds that look different, that come from, you know, different religions and sexual mm -hmm. orientations. And, um, and, but what I want is something in their story to connect with my students. Um, and so I think teachers are the same way. So that's why I would say like, get down and do it. So Brandon said, uh, the greatest gift you can give yourself or give anyone is your honest self, which is a Mr. Rogers quote, which I think sums it up really beautifully. And Amy Russell said, introversion doesn't mean you're not outgoing. It just means that being around people for too long wears you out. And that's yeah. a really good point too. Yeah. And so just making sure you're, you're not looking at what everyone else is doing and then just trying to fit that format too. Like if everyone else is going to the basketball game after school and you're done, be done. Like, like, uh, Alicia says, uh, you get, if the car doesn't have gas, um, she actually said, if the car don't got gas, nobody's going anywhere. Nobody ain't going anywhere. So she told me, <laughs> um, but it is making sure that your tank is filled so that you feel ready to give and that you have something to give. Uh, Lewis is asking question a while ago, you did a video on trauma in the classroom. How did you address it? How do you address it? Yeah. Oh, am I reading this wrong? How do you address it to this day? Oh, okay. Um, same, same sort of way. Uh, I think that, look, I, I think all teachers should be speaking to trauma in the classroom. I think especially coming back from this, from being quarantined and being out of school since March, there's, if we are not addressing this as, as, a nation of educators or a world of educators, we are doing our students a wild disservice. Um, because I think kids, I, I really think about going ahead. Uh, I have a friend, Kat Bursky, who's in 
mental health services. And she said um, that <clears throat> she thinks that like folks are going to actually have PTSD from this, right? Like we've been putting on so much hand sanitizer and washing our hands so much and going out places with masks on and not touching people and doing no handshakes and no hugs and not going into people's houses, not having people into our houses that we get back to that kind of regular life or what was regular before it's going to be met with some, like, like you're, you're almost not sure, right? Like you're not sure. Like, ah, do I shake your hand? Should I give you a hug? Do I, I think all this is going to have huge you know, long Someone comes over your house so and they sneeze. People. It's going to be like, bro, what do you do? Ah, you know what? Call it a night. You just sneezed in my house. You got to go. You're you, sick. you think that too? Yeah. Well, my mom was even saying today. So my mom and my mom, lives with my younger sister still lives at home with my mom and my youngest sister actually contracted corona and so she's quarantining in her room my mom tested negative but she's like really alone because she's still quarantining but she's the rest of the house but she has no one to interact with and she's really lonely like she was just saying this morning like her emotional state is like all over the place and i was just saying that's really common for all of us like the other morning i woke up and i was like just cried because i was like i'm so tired of doing like circles in my house. I feel like all I do is laps. And if you're not going anywhere or going out and meeting with people, it just, it's it, the effects of all of this yeah. for adults and kids and even the littlest ones, like our preschool and, you know, kinders and first and second and third, like they really need social. It's, we all need, we're all social beings. So I just yeah. think it's, even like, even if really you're introverted, you have access. to get together yeah. with your other introverted friends. Yeah, at some point, um, everybody needs people. Hold on, I'm in the middle of a question that I'll address whatever you got going on. Cool. I don't even know where I am. Uh, So I would say this. The problem here is that schools often do not train their educators to help students with trauma, right? So I'm going to make it real simple for you. I think that largely what we can do and what I spoke about in that video and I've spoken about in any number of videos is you show up not wishing for it or or like I, I think you can sort of expect it, but I don't want to sort of like, I think sometimes when we expect things, we find them because we're looking for them. Um, so like a lot of times if you think a class is going to suck, you're just like, this class mm. sucks every day. When you go in with that mentality, then of course you're going to find the things that suck. Right. But if you go in hopeful, I think, I really just think you find those things that you're hopeful for. So, um, when in doing that, um, it is showing up for kids. It is expecting that some of those things might really be there. And then it is also, um, just giving kids space to talk about it, to unpack it, to share what they're thinking and feeling, what they're going through, what their family has gone through, and then letting them know that you are there for them in any way that they might need. And if you don't have what it takes, you'll connect with a community member, you'll connect with social services, you'll connect with the school therapist, you know, you'll, you'll make sure that, you know, what you are is like uh, customer service, right? When you go to customer service at any store, they don't do all the things for you, they can't get, but you know, like they can't, you know, uh, do your carpet order for you or do your cabinet order for you. They won't be able to cut your pork chops, but they can call someone, they can set it up. They can get the person to come up. They can connect you with the people that are going to be able to do the thing that you need for you. And so I want my students to always know that I'm sort of customer service. You have a problem with your locker. You don't have anyone to eat with at lunch. You don't know how to get home. You lost your trans pass. You don't know what to do about this class. You don't have a number two pencil. Bro, come see me. Come see me about anything and I will help you out. And if I don't know the answer, I'll find someone that does and we'll make sure that you get what you need. And so that that's my thought in terms of like dealing with kids that are dealing with trauma. I do not have all the answers. I, I barely have any of them sometimes. Um, 
but it's showing up with a willingness and with an intentionality that you're there to help kids no matter what. And that draws kids in. That makes kids show up. That makes kids after they graduate. That makes kids after they graduate come visit you at the school just so they can be in your space because they want to be in that energy that you're putting off in your classroom um, because it reminds them of like that someone cares. And that is, I think, the greatest gift that we can give to our students. What you got there, buddy? Uh, I'm okay. Um, As someone did say, is Cho a part of the teachers that are leaving? Cho is no longer part of my And how is she? Because they miss Oh, Mrs. Cho, I can't find their question. Cho and my friend Yonkers are no longer part of my school. Um, Cho Yonkers took a new job, um, and Cho is got into the doctor. She's going to be in the the doctoral program at Harvard University. Um, But since Harvard's going um, online, she's going to be living in California with her mother while she's doing that. I have rarely taught with someone that it literally breaks my heart to know that they're leaving. Like the idea of going back next year, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like when um, I used to watch Dukes of Hazard back in the day. And I don't want to talk too much about Dukes of Hazard because they had that weird car with the Confederate flag on the top. And that's, you know, a different point. But I just remember at one point, they didn't bring back the actors from Dukes of Hazzard. And this is before we had the internet. So we didn't know, you know, like seven-year-old me didn't know that Bo and Luke Duke weren't coming back. But what they did was they brought in these two newer, I guess, handsomer, you know, guys that they could pay less money or whatever. And it was Bo and Luke Duke's cousins. Like they just happened to have two cousins that basically looked like them, dressed exactly the same, and they kept all the side characters on the show. And then, but like, I don't want to go back and have Bo and Luke Duke's cousins that's what I'm doing right now. I'm comparing Cho and Yonk to Bone Luke Duke from the Duke Boys because I or Duke's a hazard. Like it is when it's it feels like, and I'm not a Journey fan, but it's kind of like you know that that new guy that they have that's like 20 years old and that they found in the Philippines on YouTube that heads up Journey. Sure, people go to that show and they still love it, right? But it's like what they really want Stephen Perry. I just want Stephen Perry, and I'm not even a Journey fan but I still would rather have Stephen Perry because that's like, that's what your jam is. That's your connection piece, man. That's like, you know, he was there with you on your wedding night, Stephen Perry. Amy Russell said, I think their names are Chad and Brad. Chad, say, Amy Russell, <laughs> damn it. You just brought so much value to this group because- Someone said Corey and Vance, Mr. James P. I don't know if that was in reference. He would know also, I feel like. Um, but it's just like, that's the feeling that it has. And it like literally makes me sad. So I just like, I think about it for a little bit. Feel sad about it and i just have to turn it off and be like all right we're not going down that road because i don't want to get depressed that my friends aren't coming back next year i still have friends at school but they were like my jam they like those are my home. number one homies all well, the time and not everything. only were they your friends in school but like they came over our house all the time all the time and like hung out like i'm really Joe like, came over like, and ate all my s'mores the other night i know <laughs> like all my s'mores <laughs> And so did Fines. Fines ate all, Fines, <laughs> the wife brings out a platter, graham crackers stacked up, all different kinds of chocolate and stuff, marshmallow mounds. My man And I was doing keto at the time, like, so I didn't eat any of them, it and was our like, kids don't do. It was like someone brought out the turkey, and Fines just put the turkey on his plate. <laughs> Yo, that's what it was there for. Good it for was, him. I'm was. glad he ate it all. And so, but yeah, we're going to miss Joe a yeah. ton. yeah. So she's doing well. They're both doing well. They're both excited about what they have coming. Um, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Maybe I get a new best friend this year. Who knows? Who knows who shows up 
I love, I always think it's hilarious. The people that show up at your school that know you from YouTube, but that's always hilarious. <laughs> it's a little crazy. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Janice is asking, uh, I teach middle school for, I'm teaching middle school for the first time. Oh, damn. Jumped again. See, am I just, um, I'm teaching middle school for the first time ELA. Any tips? Uh, Janice, I would say two things. Um, one, one of the tips I give all the time is get to know what your students like, because when you know what your students like, you can use those references, not in a way to be cool, but as a way to be relevant. So if I know kids like whatever they're into, I teach through that lens. So whether it's Minecraft or Fortnite or uh, on my block or whatever music they're listening to, like that's, I teach through that lens. The other thing is, um, I think one of the things I, I'd say the, the biggest problem I see when new teachers come in to teach anything is they wait to be the teacher they always dreamed of being. So we have a sticker that we, well, we will sell soon. If you're in the Facebook group, stuff is sold in there already. But um, otherwise, uh, I have a sticker that says like, don't wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of being. And what I mean by that is so many times we think about, let me wait till my evaluation's over, wait till I, I have tenure, wait till I have been here for a little bit, wait till I know all the teachers, wait till I get a good feel for the curriculum. It's like, no, you know what you got in education for. You know the change, the impact, the involvement level. You know that you want to go on 11 all the time. And when you start teaching, this is what's going to happen. It happens to everybody everywhere. Out there, somebody hopefully saying, like, never happened to me, and that's awesome. Um, you start showing up at school and you're on fire. You're getting there early and you're staying late every single night. You're spending your whole weekend going to the dollar store and making projects and cutting things out and getting stuff ready for class. And you're so thrilled about it. That's all you want to do. It's kind of like, so what's going to happen is someone's going to go, you're going to, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, you like, enjoy it now. Yep. I remember when I was like that. I remember back when I started 30 years ago. And I loved it. And now I hate it. That's this, that's such crap. And it annoys me. It's the same way that like when I was younger, um, two things that come to mind. One, if I had a song that I liked, people would say, why are you listening to that song so much? You're going to end up not liking it. And so I would space it out, right? Like as if I had to like savor the song, like as if it wasn't on the same cassette or CD and I couldn't listen to it 5,000 times. Now when I like a song, like when I was writing my book, um, there's this really great song that I love by, uh, by not talking heads, um, moving in stereo by the cars, right? My, my, almost my entire <laughs> thing was written to that and a song by TV on the radio over and over and over and over again. Cause it put me in the mode and I love those songs and I'll listen to it for five hours straight and do work. And it makes me happy. Right. So someone else saying like, you're going to get tired of that. Or the same people that said like, when I got married that were like, yeah, well, your one year anniversary. Oh, you're in the honeymoon phase right now. Right. No, man. Like I've been at this for 25 years. We've been doing this stuff and we have the best relationship. We're of, still in the honeymoon of, phase. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it is not listening to someone else's crap to warn you that it's going to get worse. Now, look, Marriage, just like teaching, is hard-ass work. This did not come easy. We had to work on it. We had like to get through stuff. We still battle things out sometimes and have to get through them. But it, did you just punch your fist? I did. Damn. <laughs> <Gotta> battle. <laughs> um, but it is, 
I think if you're excited about something, do it all the time. Like get excited about it, get in your classroom and go nuts and don't care about what anyone else thinks. Um, or that they, or that they say you're going to burn yourself out or like, you know, watch out for those kids or, um, you can't do that. Like, unless it's like handing kids a power saw, which I've done and I regret it. Um, it is no one got hurt by the way. Uh, it is like, it's getting after that and being excited about it and getting full tilt on with it because otherwise what do you, what, it's like, it's like saving your air. It's like saving your experiences or your smiles. Don't smile all the time. You're going to run out. You don't run out, man. You always have smiles there or like, it, you know, so just go do it loud and proud and, and, and get after it and don't wait for anything else. And I think that is the best piece of advice I could give anyone because it's going to allow you to succeed. It's going to allow you to fail fast. It's going to allow you to take risks. It's going to allow you to get excited. It's going to allow you to be stoked about what's coming up and, um, and look for redemption. And, 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 and that, like, like working with students and having them not do well and figuring things out and being a part of a community and being excited and making classes, you know, um, making lessons that like kids are excited to actually show up to your room because of how it looks, because the way you make them feel, because of the way that you teach them, because of the way you take them your time, because of the way that you're always there for them, because you are consistent every single day that wins. Um, and that's, that's the best piece of advice. Myesha said, be the fire. That's it. Be the fire. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks for referencing my own stuff. Um, we, you can, there's two more questions if you'd like to answer. Them. I'll answer two more questions real quick. Um, let's go. Yeah, that one. Oh yeah. Hour 39, man, we're going for it today, girl. It's that extra cup of coffee in the I unicorn know. cup that got me. Uh, M-A-J-A, either Maja or Maya, Maya. I'm not sure. I apologize. I hope that one of those versions was correct. Anyway, um, I want to become an English teacher. However, I am struggling with doubts whether my English skills are good enough as I would be teaching English as a foreign language. Do you have any advice for me? Um, look, let, let me put it this way. If you could pull up that other question, um, just watch it jumping again. If you, I, gang, if you want to do anything like you can do it right it's like just what it is is being pot committed that you're going to do the thing that you're going to get after it right and then but sitting back and thinking first right so one of my favorite entrepreneurs seth Godin, talks about the dip right that's like when you're stoked in the beginning but going along there's always something like so even if your trajectory is like this like in the beginning and you're learning and growing and changing in the best way possible there's always a dip Right. And the dip is when beginning of January, everyone's stoked and I can't stand Planet Fitness because there's 90,000 people in there and you got to wait for a treadmill. It's like the one, you know, it's one of my first world problems I got to deal with. Um, but somewhere around two, three weeks in, everyone's gone and you're just back to like you can run on, you could literally like run on this treadmill and just keep moving over and just keep running on treadmills because you're seven extra spaces next to you because folks don't take into account the dip. The dip is when you're going to get to that part where it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult, but do you want it enough? In your marriage, there's a dip, right? Where like that first honeymoon phase is great, but then you're going to get to that part where shit gets real and can you ride the dip out of it? Like, do you have what it takes to persevere, to grind through, to get to that place? Teaching is no different. Exercise is no different. Every single person that is watching this right now can have six pack abs if they wanted to. There's nothing wrong. No, no look, I don't, I'm, go with me on this because I don't know every single person. I don't know your Sorry. physiology and all that stuff. I'm, I'm making a, an overall 
generality here is that we could have six pack abs. I don't have six pack abs, kids. You know why? It's not that important to me. It's not that important to me that I make it a priority that I know the dip is coming. I know I could do sit-ups for three days, but on that fourth day, I'm just like, I'm a little bit tired. And I don't really want to get on the exercise ball and do my 10 sit-ups that I need to do or whatever it is, right? It didn't make it a priority. Um, but I think that if you want to do it, you can do it. Now, the key to that, right? So if you want to do this, if you want to teach English, um, is rigging the game so you can win. It is making it so you have these bite-sized things you're doing every single day. So you literally set the bar so low that it is almost impossible to fail, right? So like if you wanted to learn Spanish, 10 minutes, anybody can learn Spanish for 10 minutes a day. I mean, swear, like you would look at one word, right? Like learn one word, try to learn one word a day. Anybody can do that. And over time, you build momentum and then you're doing more and more and more and more. Last year when I ran, uh, I ran 403 days in a row, but I did it because I only set the goal at a mile a day, right? That's all I had to do. Oftentimes I did much more than a mile a day. Sometimes I like only did a mile a day because I was in an airport and I had to run back and forth in the terminal until I reached a mile. Um, that, but you rate the game so low or the, the goal so low that you can win. Want to start meditating? Can you meditate for 60 seconds a day? Yep. Then go do it. And then if you feel like you're in it and you want to go, for two minutes or 30 minutes, then do it. But like, at least you did it. Did I meditate every day? Yep, because I only have to do 60 seconds a day. Um, so I think that you can absolutely do it. And the fact that you are maybe feeling like you're not good enough right now, the question is, can you be good enough if you gave it your all? Or can you find someone else that did it? And if they did it, there's no reason that you can't do it either, right? Like too many times in the world, I think that we look at like, there's the, the, the greatest and be like, yeah, like Michael Jordan did it, but like he's Michael Jordan, man, or, or like Kevin Hart did it or The Rock did it or, the, you know, whoever else you want to put up on a pedestal. But like there's all kinds of like seemingly average people doing extraordinary things that you didn't know anything about. And if they can do it, you can do it also. Last one. Uh, last one. Uh, am I saying your name right? I see you on your a lot later. Schmidt minutes. Am I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm, we're going with it. Um, and I like your profile thing with the S and Very cool. Um, I am starting at a new middle school this year and I'm the new choral director. How are we, how do we start building relationships, building positive culture? Or I'm sorry. How do we start building positive culture in your classroom with students you don't know yet? Um, all right, here's final answer for the day, right? People that know me have heard this answer a hundred times before, but we're going to end on this and we're going to do it with fire. Because I think that when you don't know someone, the thing that's going to sell them is your confidence and your intentionality. If you go into a class scared, you're going to get eaten up, but you don't have to actually have confidence. You just have to portray confidence, right? It's like, um, I love the in my head, I do not walk into school like this, but in my head, I love the idea of walking into school, into class, like when you see Conor McGregor walk into the ring. If anyone's ever seen this, he does it with a level, with a swagger that is like no one else can touch. That you know this dude just looks like he's gonna own you in the ring, that this is over, it's a hundred percent gonna win. And so put a lot of time and energy into myself and into my mental space and how I'm thinking about things and imagining those classes before they even start. Like, all right, first day I'm imagining 
the class is there, what it's going to look like, how it's set up, what am I wearing, how do I walk into the class, but even practice it. If you're just in your classroom and you're all alone at the beginning of the year, this is weird, but who the hell cares? Teachers, we have to be weird sometimes. Um, Walking into your class and seeing like, what would that feel like? What would that look like to own it and to be confident? And not in a cocky or a mean way, but just in a way that's like, Dude, this is going to be the best year ever. You guys are lucky I'm here, and I'm lucky that you're my students because we are going to jive and get down in a way that is going to be unbelievable. And so when we do that, we are building that confidence. The intentionality piece is this. Look, I've said this before. If you if you go and watch my, my first day of school video, I have a video that's called What I Do on My First Day. School is boring, everyone. For the most part, maybe not for those of you that are on here because you show up on here and you want to be the best teachers ever um, and you give up your Sunday afternoons to, to try and cultivate that that feeling. School sucks. So to make it better, it's like not that hard. Right. So I think of it as like if school's it's, Eli- it's really not. It's really, no, no, look, it's like if school is Elio's pizza, let's say school's even worse. Let's say school's top ramen. Top Ramen's all right, right? Like when you're, you know, if you're a pothead or if you're in college, like you love Top Ramen, right? No, come on. Shaggy and Scooby love Top Ramen probably. (laughs) Um, But I was watching a show one time where someone took Top Ramen and they were like, yo, here's a way that you can actually make this delicious. And they put like a, like a, just a little bit of like fresh ginger in there or different like spices like stuff that you just have around you your house the magic on and just used it. that's what they, they sprinkled magic on top ramen right they didn't use the shrimp pack that's filled with cancer or whatever the hell is in that thing i don't think there's any powdered just- actual shrimp in there it's just some manufactured stuff so instead you are sprinkling magic on this thing that's kind of broken but when you do that you are making your classroom and and your students lives electric for those 45 minutes and this isn't something you have to do all by yourself right this is something you can do as part of a community something you can cultivate something you can invite people into your party and have them invite you into theirs in terms of other teachers being a part of that but when you are trying to do that i'm telling you that that intentionality right it's saying on the first day i'm so glad that you're here dude this is gonna be the best class of the year. I'm telling you right now. And I used to do that all the time. And I would laugh at the other team, like kind of like tongue in cheek, right? I'm not, I don't need to be better than everyone else. I just want to be different than everyone else. Um, but that difference carries so far when you want the kids to know that what you're there for is them. What you're there for is not to tell rules on the first day. I'm here to tell you how awesome this is going to be, how excited I am, who I am, what I'm about, what we're going to do this year. It's like if, you know, when you go to see a, a a movie and the trailers come on they want you to get excited about what's to come they don't go listen in this movie um you're not going to be allowed to smoke cigarettes all right there's no talking during this movie all right put your cell phones away no they don't tell you any of that stuff in the pre they tell you that before the movie yeah but like um where the safety exits are and all that stuff but before when the preview comes out the whole job is to get you excited about seeing the movie and so i think that that is what I really want kids to know, and I'm telling you, you will set yourself apart. And even if every teacher did that, right, even if every teacher in your school is doing that, um, that's way better than the eight classes. Like m- most kids go in the school and they get eight syllabi and they have to sit through eight classes of someone telling them the rules and how this is going to go. And if you screw around and if your cell phone's out and what I do if you do this and I don't take late work and all this crap, um, it's like eight levels of hell. And so if you're one out of that eight that's awesome great but if you can be a part of a school if you can cultivate a community that 
eight out of eight people are rocking that um, and they're all excited. It just goes well for everyone. So be, start that community now and do that thing and get excited because that, that excitement um, is going to, it's going to spread to the kids also. Now look, Rhett, last thing, the kids won't always let you know this. You cannot look at their faces and think that they, they don't like you or whatever. Because sometimes the kids that have the hardest face are the kids that are loving this the most. They're just not going to tell you about it. Or they're not sure if you're really going to be about it. They think that you're going you're gonna to at some point give up, stop doing it, that you're not going to give um, your all when you show up, that you're going to wear out. That this is like, you know, this is essentially you coming in at the beginning of January going, all right, I'm going to run every day. I got my new sweat wicking jacket on and I have my new running pants and special socks and I bought the shoes and I have the headband and I have the little fanny pack to hold my phone in and I got the app and I got the watch and I got, you know, the new headphones. Um, but are you, where are you on February 1st? Where are you end of February? Where are you when it's hailing and raining and snowing and it outside looks like, you know, the apocalypse? Where are you then? Are you still riding with us then? Um, because I think that that's what kids want. They want someone that's going to ride with them all the way to the end. And that's tell them in the beginning that's going to be awesome. Like, that's one thing. Make your declaration. But then you got to stand there, even when you're getting your ass handed to you some days, and just keep showing up, keep doing the work, keep giving, keep loving the kids. Um, and I think that that's that intentionality, you know, when you're standing there and you look like Brad Pitt in that scene from Fight Club and he gets beat up in the, uh, in the basement, he's bleeding out of his mouth and his nose is broken and stuff. And you're just like, still learning, still doing stuff. It's like, you know, that's when uh, I think kids really buy into what you're doing. And that's when you really start having an opportunity to really make a change sometimes. Um, that's it for this week, everybody. We're an hour and 50, almost two hours. Dan, Jake, you got some rendering to do on this one. Um, look, if you missed it, my wife is going to be on a live feed with me this week on the Help a Teacher podcast. It's a live feed that happens on um, on Facebook. My Boy, uh, Hal Bowman is going to be leading that up. I'm going to post it. I'll post it in the Facebook group, which is our Facebook group, uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. If you're not a part of that, you should be. Um, and then we're also, I'll post it on Instagram so everyone knows what it is. And then I'm also doing a conference. I think it's going to be really great. My friend Sean Woodley, uh, who does Teach Hustle Inspire on Instagram, is doing something called the Super the Superhero Teacher Superhero Summit. Teacher Summit. Um, it's myself. Sean and Chris Emden and a bunch of other fantastic people are all a part of it. So if you want to be a part of that, um, you can sign up for that on, if you just go to my Instagram, you'll see the post and you can, you can sign up through there. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Like I don't do conferences that I don't think I, I, that I don't want people to be a part of. So, uh, if I'm doing it, you know, that I think it's good stuff and that I think you should be a part of it. Um, and ask your school for that money, man, because it costs money to get in. It's not real expensive because it's virtual, but uh, schools have PD money. Hit up your professional development people. Um, there it is. Teach Hustle Inspire. Uh, and if you haven't, the book's out there. If you don't know about it, teach your class off. Uh, Real Rap Guide to Teaching has nothing to do with rap. has everything to do with having the greatest school year ever. Um, and for those of you that have written reviews on uh, Amazon, I really, really appreciate it. They're extremely humbling to read. So thank you so much for those of you that have gone on the Amazon uh, and left reviews. No one's left a review on Barnes and Noble, but I don't think they anyone uses Barnes and Noble. Buy, I don't think one person has bought it from Barnes. Here would be fun. Can some? Amazon. Can one person go on Barnes and Noble and leave a review? Because it would just be funny. That's all I want. I just want. I just want one review. For <laughs> a couple. Mr. James Pete. Um, so that's oh, it. Uh, wow. shit. 
Schmidt minutes. Yeah. He got it from Barnes and Noble. Oh, oh good. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, that's it, everybody, for this week. We'll see you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace. Oh, look, I look like Richard Nixon. All right, that was a dumb way. I look like it's a skinny lobster. Uh, <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. There we go. Hitting all the buttons. <laughs>